Hello and welcome to The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your co-host, Brian Phillips. I'm the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Derek Cohen. He's the Vice President of Policy at TPPF. And we this is our year in review show, um, because we're coming to the close of the year. We will not be doing a show, um, I guess, that will be slated for December 28th. Hopefully, a lot of us are, are not thinking about politics and policy <laughs> at that time and are thinking about our families and, and the new year and all those kinds of things. Uh, so this will be our year in review show. And so we are excited and, and to, to bring back somebody to talk about the year in review. Uh, Brad Johnson is the senior reporter at the Tex- at the Texan News. Uh, he's an Ohio native who graduated from the University of Cincinnati, uh, which he shares uh, with, with Derek also mm-hmm. from Ohio and a, and a suffering uh, Michigan fan until this year, I yeah. suppose. Uh, not, not too much suffering going on. <laughs> last three years. Yeah, he he covers politics mostly they said with a focus on fiscal and energy policy, as always. Uh, welcome Brad to the right idea. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. We don't have a legislative update because we haven't been doing any legislation. We, I think the last show we had was right before signing die of the four special sessions. So we unfortunately will not have a, unless you just want to say some words, Derek, and no. tell us about, okay. All right. So no <laughs> legislative update. So that brings me to my favorite part, which is of course the shameless plug for our wonderful, fantastic, great newsletter. It's called the post. It's our weekly newsletter. We have the Canon, of course, that goes out every day. Uh, you can sign up for that. Um, but we're really excited about this product. It's been a new one that we've done for the last six or eight months or so. It's got exclusive content. It's got something fun and cultural, but it's also kind of a wrap-up of everything that TPPF is working on. Also, news of the day, news of the week, uh, and our comments uh, and uh, takes on all of that. It's called The Post, and you can sign up for The Post at texaspolicy.com slash The Post. Okay, gentlemen, Brad, Derek, let's get right into it. Um, I'm actually just sort of interested at the top, Brad, to kind of get your thoughts. Just give us give us your 30,000-foot view of, of 2023 and policy and politics in Texas. I don't think I can say that word on this show. It's been just a cluster, you know? Like <laughs> We'll so, beep it out. Jefferson right. will get the sensors going, <laughs> and we'll beep it out. We I had mean, to get a dump switch after our second episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had multiple once-in-a-century things happen this year. We had uh, a legislative session that was knocked down, drag out on multiple policy fronts. We have the lieutenant governor and speaker of the House literally at each other's, at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... The governor is going scorched earth in the primaries against uh, some incumbents. This is just, it, it's wild. And I i haven't been in, uh, here for anything like that. I don't know if you guys remember any session year like that, like this at all, but it's been just crazy. Derek, you, you said before the show, this year has been a long decade. Yes. <laughs> no, and it, it certainly has. And I mean, there's not much I can build on uh, uh, Brad's comment on it. Now, we did see... I would say some new fault lines, obviously, with, um, you know, you, you know, very historic impeachment trial and that kind of, I would say, kind of exacerbates certain fissures on the right mm-hmm. um, or at very least uh, shined a spotlight on them. But, you know, with that going on, it's, you know, still in terms of the session with some notable exceptions, I'd say that on the legislative side, it was still a pretty successful year. Mm-hmm. Was it the most conservative session ever? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> um, you know, part of that, though, is is and, and, and to be fair, um, you know, this is a red state. We have, you know, the, all the statewides have won for the last 25 years have all been Republican. We've had a House majority for a decade now. Has it been about that? A House majority? Yeah. Oh. Eight or 10 years. Uh, it's got to be more than that. Even more than that, yeah. the Senate for for sure. Yeah. And so, when you have one party dominating the way that Republicans have in states like you know Utah and and other places that are super red like Texas, you know, in fairness, that's where the policy debates happen because mm-hmm. that's those are yeah. the people who make the decisions. And so, yeah, you know, it, I, I the one time I'll ever defend the media, the the, the left wing media, not your your paper, of course. <laughs> the one time I'll defend the left wing media is. Are you saying you're not media, man? You're gonna take that from? <laughs> is that you know they they do they do you know hold the feet to the fire of the politics who are in charge. And so a lot of times say, oh, well, you're only going after Republicans or you're only going after conservatives. Well, those are the people making the decisions and those are the people uh, in the room. So so to your point about, you know, the 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 infighting and, and, and what, I mean, it's because that's where the decisions are made. And so, you know, the Democrats a lot of times are just, particularly the Senate, are just kind of throwing bombs from the outside. Well, to that point, the whole the conservative session ever is a red herring in that regard, because it also you know, people are debating certain items, you know, that they're, you know, the vitality of certain items within the legislative package. And there are other, let's kind of ignoring other things that have gone through or compared to other states, Mm -hmm. you know, I I would say 
markedly move the ball. Yep. Um, okay. So since we since this is a year in review and everybody has their silly awards that they give, I'm mm-hmm. uh, just made one up. Since we're called the Right Ideas, the name of our show, we're going to give away our Righty Awards. Um, and so uh, we'll talk about just use that as a kind of framing to talk about um, some of the big stories throughout the year. And that's kind of where I want to jump off. Um, Brad, you you follow this stuff even more than we do. I mean, you're literally your job. You have to cover all all the stories. So there were a lot of big stories. If you you could put you know one at the very top to say this is either the the story that that got the most attention or that had the most issues or that you know captured the attention of Texans. What would you consider to be one of those top one or two stories of the year? I think the top one has to be the Paxton impeachment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, a statewide official has not been impeached in over hundred years. The last one was Governor Pa Ferguson in the uh, I think nineteen sixteen nineteen seventeen. Um, there, it was untrodden ground, uh, largely, especially on on this level. There was a, a district judge that was impeached in the '70s, but the officials running this were kind of making it up as they went along, trying as best they could to fill in the back on the back end with historical precedent. And we saw a lot of different varying legal arguments in this, but ultimately it was a political trial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the standard was beyond a reasonable doubt, but um, you know these weren't. This wasn't really a jury sitting there. This was, uh, you know, senators, people mm-hmm. elected to the office, one of which was the person who was impeached's wife. So, um, I think it has to be that. That was far and away the biggest story in Texas this year. Derek, biggest story, maybe from the policy side of things, um, kind of putting oh, them. Yeah, we, and we'll get into <laughs> a lot of those. I want to talk about the biggest wins, biggest deport- <clears throat> disappointments. Um, but just from a, just from you know maybe even from a thirty thousand foot view yeah. on the policy side of things, what was the story of the of the twenty twenty three session? Uh, well, that'd be really hard to, to narrow it down to one on the policy side because there were, you know, when you talk about wins or surprises or disappointments, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, their own category. The biggest story, I would say, that would, wouldn't neatly fit in one of those categories was probably the the life and death of casino gambling uh, or not even <laughs> casino gambling, just gambling generally uh, mm-hmm. in Texas. You know, that we, heard, we saw articles at the beginning of the year that uh, the Sands Corporation had I, I can't remember the actual count. My uh, brother, who lives in Vegas, uh, texted me about it, uh, specifically when uh, some of the partnership with the Mavericks uh, stuff came, started coming out. So I go, okay, I'm going to see how many do they have registered, uh, how many individuals registered with TEC. And again, this has nothing to so do with- So lobbyists con- that work for SANS. Uh, specifically, uh, government code section 305 lobbyists. So mm-hmm. I mean, that, that does a very specific job. Mm-hmm. That doesn't include uh, advisors and some of the consultants and some of the more softer uh uh, I would say supporters of that. And I'm doing a, a screen record on my phone and just scrolling, <laughs> keep scrolling <laughs> through this entire thing. And I mean, it was like dozens upon dozens of, let's say, I mean, closer to 100 than 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, you know, all that, like, basically carpet bombing the legislature with money on the lobby front, nothing happened. Nothing happened. It got up to a, it got to a floor vote in the House. And then the, uh, constitutional amendment required for it couldn't even muster the votes to pass. Couldn't get couldn't get a hundred votes despite absolutely nuking it from orbit. When you had, you know, I'd say opposition on both sides. You had both. Uh, Demi- I think it was Trey Martinez Fisher uh, kind of led the the Democrat critique, yeah. and obviously folks further on the right led the Republican critique, and it just fizzled. And it to just, put it further into context, yeah. this wasn't a bill to legalize gambling. This was a bill to just send it to the voters, right? Mm. Just it, well, yeah. wasn't that their pitch is like, look, this is we're not voting for gambling, you know, some of them said. Yeah. They're saying, "Oh, you know, we'll just let Texas decide." Yeah, and I I can't remember if it didn't get referred in the Senate or it didn't get heard in the committee in the Senate, one of the two, but either way, you know, it didn't even have the most de minimis progress mm-hmm. in the other chamber. So, uh, you know, it's funny because people uh specifically folks uh, you know, from around the country will ask me like, "Why what happened? Like, I thought I thought that was a fait accompli just because they put so much money and so much effort yeah. into Right. And or that at least would have gotten a little bit farther with, you know, but it, it, it was two lobbyists per member, you know, showing up at the, at the door. It, and it was like one major discussion on the floor that maybe took an hour, hour and a half. And then that was that was it. Well, it was interesting <laughs> while that was happening. They were kind of stalling. They postponed the bill mm-hmm. and you could tell that 
the lobbyists behind the scenes were trying to whip the votes. They needed more time. Garen was giving them more time to if do that. If you're whipping the votes on the floor, you've already lost. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's 101 stuff. But they were throwing a Hail Mary at it. And mm-hmm. I think they did make some progress in the number of votes they got mm-hmm. on the Republican side. But obviously, that's not enough. And when you have the lieutenant governor coming out and saying, this is DOA in yeah. my chamber, obviously, the progress can mm-hmm. only get so far. Well, the Addisons are worth roughly $30 billion, and so they're probably playing the long game here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but I think I think Jeff Leach <laughs> actually had the best observation on that because he was carrying the, the apps. The uh, sports betting. The yeah. sports yeah. betting mm-hmm. uh, apps bill. And he goes, look, this is what people are doing anyway. And I think that's why nobody really cares. Yeah. Because the people that you know are passionate about this, um, you know, on the civilian side, are either already engaged in this activity or, you know, one of the ones we've heard subsequently after the, the Adelson uh, Mavericks uh, arrangement is that, oh, we're going to turn Dallas. If we had a casino, we could turn Dallas into a destination. Look, it, Ohio legalized gambling. We have uh, ca- one casino in Toledo, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Columbus. And nobody's going, man, I am going to go to Toledo now. You know? <laughs> and so people people go to Vegas I mean, to gamble. I mean, Dallas is like a top 10 city in the country. Like, is it not? But, but that's the thing. If I you're mean, going to travel to gamble, yeah. there is one place you do that. Yeah, and a place that, well, with, uh, you know, through uh, market forces or other forces, the flights to uh, and the room prices are much lower than you're going to yeah. find in Dallas. Well, nobody... there are two different policies, right? There's yeah. the sports betting, which I think has a lot more momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. And will probably get across the line faster than mm-hmm. the casino gambling. But yeah. It's, Everybody's uh, doing that with fantasy sports left, anyway. Yeah. So for me, the biggest story has to be the border. So immigration and border security, um, just a lot of different facets to it. We, could probably, we have spent the whole shows uh, <laughs> talking mm. about the border. But the things I want to highlight are obviously just the, the staggering numbers of people coming across over the last two years. Uh, you know, I think the last fiscal year, it was like 2.4 million, pe- million illegal immigrants came across with another half a million uh, and gotaways that we have no idea. You know, we're, we're, never, um, we're never found. Um, so you have that aspect of it and just the sheer staggering numbers of people that have that have been coming across uh, then you have the aspect of you know Texas you know the federal government on you know, is abdicating its responsibility, not doing what's supposed to be doing. So then Texas steps up and starts to, and and the governor Abbott says he has enough authority to start protecting the border and do certain things under under the you know that are constitutional. But he's using executive authority to do it. So then you have the federal government who's already abdicating their responsibility now, undercutting those efforts. Operation Lone Star. I mean, we literally have videos of of the federal authorities going in with tractors and forklifts and lifting up the razor wire and the barrier. Uh, to let people in. I mean, it's just, th- there's so many different angles. Then, of course, you have the busing, which started out kind of, you know, people thought it was kind of a gimmick, but now it's actually having some real impact. You've got the mayors of Chicago and San Francisco yeah. Eric and New York. Adams would like a word. Er- yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a very serious uh, I- issue that, that um, you know, now people are taking it more seriously, or at least Democrats in these sanctuary cities are taking it more seriously. So to me, that has to be the biggest story for Texas is because we are right in the middle of all of that. There's so many different angles to it, uh, and nothing is getting... Nothing is really getting better. I mean, I mean, thankfully, Operation Lone Star is, in fact, uh, having some impact, at least with the the drug confiscation and the methamphetamine that's that that um, that they're collecting or that they're capturing. But in terms of the human trafficking, it mm. is just, I mean, it's uh, unstoppable. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you covered much of the the border issues. I know this not, not a lot, necessarily your issue, but I think the the biggest thing that showed how serious this issue has gotten. Was the Biden administration finally becoming more amenable to building a wall? Mm-hmm. Like, who would have thought that would have ever happened? Right. Yeah, a big beautiful um, wall. We'll see if that actually develops, if it happens. But uh, to me, that signified how bad this this problem's got. Yeah, and then in the last month, I mean, to make matters worse, I mean, all of this that we're fighting with the the um, with the Biden administration, to make matters worse, now you have Democrats, state reps, Democrats here, openly admitting that they're going to work with the Mexican government to tour Texas into Hispanic communities and blast the laws that have that have been passed and signed by the governor to protect the border that, that as being been, racist and all of that. Yeah, that might have been related to a campaign announcement that came out shortly thereafter. Yeah, I mean, it's a thinly veiled, I mean, <laughs> 
obviously, but but that's that's another interesting aspect. I mean, you you now have foreign um, uh, intervention into our elections because if the Mexican government is going to be sponsoring or at least collaborating with Democrats as they go around to these communities, essentially blasting Republicans for the laws that they passed. I mean, and of course the Mexican government is hand in glove with the Mexican cartels. So now you've got basically the Democrat representatives working on behalf of the cartels to to flip our elections. I mean, it's it's the whole thing is absurd. Um, uh, and is and frankly is very dangerous. Uh, and and kudos goes to uh, to the governor for for his efforts there. Uh, but I want to get into some of those issues. One more. Nope, nope, that's good. As I say, you're giving a big Republicans pounce energy on that. <laughs> All right, so let's get into. Let's start at the top uh, with the biggest win, Derek. What's our biggest win for the for the year? And this could be yeah. anything. We're, obviously, we're going to talk about session legislation, but what do you think the biggest win is? I'd say I'd say the biggest win that's going to have probably the broadest impact. Now, the deepest impact I think is a is a more of a nuanced discussion, but I think the broadest impact would have to be the the preemption bill, the Death Star bill, mm, HB stole mine twenty one twenty. Yeah, I, I did have a written follow up. You can yes and you can yes and. Okay. No, no, no. Um, but I mean, but I, but look, just you know, owning small business uh, from the folks that we've heard uh, give testimony on this bill, it's like you know, if you if you're just in the corridor here down, you know, from Round Rock to Austin to uh, uh, Hayes County, you know, you might be dealing with both a three different county regulations, and on top of that, there could be even. Uh, superficial municipal regulations, depending on where specifically you're doing business. Mm -hmm. And that is just too unstable of an environment by which to do some of the most common things. Now, we're Luckily, we're still allowed to drink water, so the worst prognostications <laughs> haven't haven't came to uh, haven't came to be. But that being said, it's I remember when different components of that particular bill were individual items of legislation up until last session. And again, every single one that just took a little bit of uh, local control away. Of course, the most local control would be the individual, but took a little bit of local control away from the municipalities. They screamed bloody murder. And I think the legislature just goes, okay, well, we're going to rip this. Instead of pulling the bandaid off with, mm -hmm. you know, hair by hair, we are just going to rip this bad boy right off. And well, that's what they did. Brad, you've got the Death Star comments on that. And do you want to change your answer now that we've talked about that? I might add a, a minor one <laughs> in addition to that. But yeah, I think it's Obviously, uh, the, the Texas Regulatory Consistency Act, it's um, far and away going to have the most impact across the board going forward. Um, you know, watching closely the process for getting that across the line. Chairman Burroughs was working his butt off, mm -hmm. um, you know, dealing with shifting goalposts from the opposition constantly. Um, it's you know dealing with he, he had a few carve outs in it but overall this new strategy is probably something that will be implemented in other states mm -hmm. uh, you know rather than this rifle firing at individual uh, deemed defenses by localities they're just you know using a shotgun and taking out a whole bunch um, now we'll see where it goes in the courts I have a hard time believing that the conservative Texas Supreme Court's gonna uh, do anything to hinder it but mm -hmm. um, yeah I think Definitely that. Um, on a, a, a smaller scale, I would say um, Hank Doogie, the Galveston County Commissioner or uh, Treasurer, <laughs> eliminating his own job through a constant, <laughs> constitutional amendment. That's I got a kick out based. of that. Yes, and I mean he he has great reasons for it. Um, it, it was an interesting fight. Had been going on for a while. He campaigned on that issue, mm -hmm. but how many legislative wins uh, result in the guy advocating for it? losing his job <laughs> so. deliberately so too yes, nonetheless yes. yeah i mean a champion for small government we have That's... a special award uh for for him i'm gonna go with property tax i mean just because it was such a big battle i mean mm -hmm. the, and the number was so big and i know people disagree on it what the exact number was and and how much it was but but either way you look uh, any way you look at it it was historic property tax uh relief and then we had sort of the controversy there at the end about whether or not it was even going to be implemented mm -hmm. and the governor put a stop to that um and so uh, hopefully we'll all see our property tax cuts next year um, notwithstanding the local governments uh, taking some of that, ta that that tax cut back, um, but it was. I mean, I think I think despite some of the food fight that was going on between the House and Senate leadership, uh, there were some there were some um, deep policy differences in terms of how we were going to give our, our tax relief or Texas was going to give tax relief. Um, and so I thought it was a, I thought it was if you if you dug a little bit deeper, uh, there was a, a serious policy debate about Absolutely. that about you know some 
some really eye glazing type policies. Um, and so there was a there was a sophisticated debate there, uh, despite some of the the Twitter stuff that went on. So despite some of the Twitter stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, and and of course, you know, there's also the the Texas Rangers did win the World Series. Um, and and of course, um, the University of Texas is in the college football playoff, which I would have. Which Are I we, need do we to... move on to biggest disappointment? Yeah. <laughs> so I have to so I have to mention those wins, uh, of course, for for Texans. Are you a Rangers fan? If I had to choose between the Rangers and the Astros, I'd probably choose. The Rangers. Rangers. Okay, Although, for some I'm, reason, I'm a Tigers, Tigers fan. So, oh, Kirk, that's right. Kirk, yeah, Nelson yeah. Cruz Ooh, killing us in the ALCS in 2011 <laughs> still haunts my dreams. <laughs> I was say, really, you're not gonna you're not gonna paint them with Ver, or then you go after the Astros with Verlander and all that. It's a tough question. So this is a good segue. There's enough hate to go around is what I'm saying. Perfect segue to get into biggest disappointments. Um, (laughs) Since uh, Derek stole yours last time, I'll let you go first on this one, Brad. Biggest disappointment of the year. Um, I think it has to be Defend Texas Liberty, the the conservative pack that has been very active in the last few years. Um, They were at their most politically relevant after Paxton got acquitted. They were all set to go on the the revenge tour right alongside Paxton, and they still probably will. Uh, they just won't have as front facing a role, I think, because mm-hmm. of the the meeting they had with that with Nick Fuentes, the yeah. the right wing gadfly, um, anti Semitic commentator from you know he's he's uh, he's got quite a following in in certain circles on the internet, but um, his his views are pretty horrific, yeah, and. Uh, I'm not sure why they decided it was useful to meet with the guy. Um, we don't know what was said, obviously, but he was photographed going into their offices uh, and then leaving six hours later. So um, that is going to be a, a theme in the primaries next year. Mm-hmm. Anytime they enter a race, there's we're seeing it in House District 2. Mm-hmm. There's an ad run about uh, you know this group who is allegedly anti-Semitic, using the Fuentes meeting as tying them to that accusation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were going to have quite a bit of fodder and a lot of uh, targets to go after. And now I think they're just, they kind of shot a little bit of it away, a little bit of their relevance. Shot themselves in the foot. I, th- I think most charitably, you could just call it an unforced error. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Derek, biggest disappointment for you? Uh, I mean, it, it, the you know, you make the joke about contractual obligation. Well, I never signed a contract, but I at least echo this one is it would have to be failure to get school choice done. Um, and I thought that, you know, this doesn't, you know, this disappointment is not on the, you know, it's not on the governor. It's not on uh, Chairman Buckley, who both, have, you know, put in the sweat equity on these particular uh, issues. But, you know, it's again, it's, it's about pushing against the, the legacy belief that, uh, you know, passing school choice will, you know, both single handedly basically take an eraser to the entire uh, t- entire t- entirety of Texas uh, west of uh, I-35 and uh, cause football not to exist anymore. Um, but that being said is, you know, these are the same arguments that we've seen in every single other state. Mm-hmm. You know, half the country has some form now, and none of that has even happened anywhere remotely. Uh, that So it's kind of the, the, the long shadow of the misinformation there, I would say. Yep. Uh, but I would also, let me... Let me Kind of push back a little bit on the, uh, you know, you said the biggest win was property taxes. I have a, I, I would put that as a big disappointment with the asterisks because what we've seen since, and I can speak for Round Rock ISD because they're one of a notorious bad actor in this space, is that they, their mailers for their Vader, their, you know, voter approved uh, tax uh, rate, uh, rate exemption election, uh, actually said, vote for this and we will lower your taxes 750 bucks or something along those lines. What they didn't say is don't vote for that and your taxes come down eleven hundred bucks. Right. Uh, so it's just they're what they're doing is since it's a, a tax rate election, they're ratcheting up that base upon which they can increase uh, in the mm-hmm. future through very dishonest means. And the problem is, and this is a problem more with the, uh, I, and I will say the problem with the electorate is that people are just not dialed. You know, we we all do this stuff professionally, right? So we're dialed into it. We can smell we can smell a rat when there's one there. Everyone else is like, oh, damn, 750 bucks. That sounds pretty great. Yeah. So they will go for that. And so the one thing I would say, and then, of course, the the squabbling, that that was a bad look. But like you said, it's about policy disagreement at the end of the day. 
one thing I'll say about that is the failure to enact some sort of guardrails on uh, nefarious local actors uh, would be a disappointment. And I would absolutely agree. I don't think that's a pushback at all. I mean, what I say is the biggest win is what they did at the state. The biggest Mm -hmm. disappointment would be then all of the local governments saying, oh, great, everybody's going to get a tax cut so we can raise your taxes and you won't notice. Do you not like local control, Brian? (laughs) Exactly. I I think you guys just put out a report on um, uh, local government debt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and accumulated and it's higher than it's ever been you know you look at the the bonds passed uh in november the highest they've ever been so why is my property taxes so high it's like well then you vote for all this billions of dollars in spending what do you think and you know what you you pick out any one of those and there can be good justifications for that Mm -hmm. but when you look at it on the macro level it's Mm -hmm. like wow how are all the voters approving this every year Well, a little bit more fun. So um, I will defend school choice on one as uh, on one side. This was this was contemplated. I mean, by by the movement, by the activists, by the folks that were strategizing on getting school choice done, is that it was absolutely contemplated that we would get to a vote and not win the vote, and that the next phase of that, of course, would then we would turn into the political mm. um, uh, strategy, the political season, which of course is playing out right now. TPP, of course, is a nonprofit. C three, we don't engage in all that stuff, but there are plenty of organizations. And individuals who do, and they are enacting that strategy. Is we got you know we got the floor vote, so now you have people on the record as being for or against school choice. And now amongst at least the Republicans, I'm not sure on the Democrat side, but amongst the Republicans that voted against school choice, every one of them is either retiring or they have a primary challenger. And so it's now shifted into that stage. So I would say it's incomplete at this point. And then and you know to see what kind of momentum, even picking off three or four um, school choice opponents, what that could do then for the next session whenever we, we continue I mean, to push I mean, we, we discussed this specifically in one of the many episodes in which we discussed the mm-hmm. school choice. You know, specifically, that's what happened in Iowa. You know, they came to a vote, and, our, you know, our, our colleague Zach Whiting was a state senator at the time when this happened. You know, they got it – stop me if you heard this one. They got it out of the House scot-free, ran in a couple headwinds in the House with some specific rural members. Um, and basically, uh, you know, Governor Reynolds basically said this is not good enough and got really involved in the primaries and it radically changed the the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were there was some ancillary benefits. It gave them one of the chambers was out of a supermajority, gave him a supermajority. And then there was uh, establishing a supermajority on the Supreme Court as well. So there were there was a long there's a long tail on that. And so the state basically on this issue just became more conservative. Yep. And unless seats change in the primary, the numbers aren't change it in the house i don't right. think you know the original hb1 in what was that the third special session um i was told had the votes now it also had that cap that mm. the governor opposed um i believe you guys probably opposed that too um yeah. so there was obviously opposition to that but question is do we do a quite in from your view very imperfect bill mm. just to get it across the line yep. and see what happens in conference or do we Go to primaries, and that's what's happening. And, and, I, and I think that's actually a very good. That's a very real politique way of looking at it, because you know, if if you look at it, I mean, there. I don't, and I and I said this as much is that a, you know, if you look at the appropriation plus what would be in the special, and let's say the you know the fourth special HB one, if you looked at what it would cut, co- it would cover what was it? I think like sixty thousand kids, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it was basically. I mean, for every for the what 500 million that was there for for the specific esa component it was every single flavor of pork product that you could put in there for the establishment Mm -hmm. um seven billion dollars in new education funding on top of the six billion which as you know we well brian i we gave them zero dollars from what i understand by the internet Um, and defunded it we defunded the whole public education yeah now now granted it's all (laughs) i mean it's largely funded through you know local means you know apparently uh Abbott took away the teachers' pay raises, even though they're paid locally through the MNO. Neither here nor there. Details. Um, but anyway, that that whole thing shows. Uh, I would say again, the the fault line of the the digging in there that that it, what was what would have amounted to be like one like a fraction of a percent of education spending less was, than was, one half of one percent was what was not enough to bring the bill down. So I mean, there's that just I mean they're lashed to the mast on this. Yeah. There's there's no the people that have voted. 
uh, for the rainy amendment. Um, like, I mean, I, I don't understand. Like, those ships are smashed. I don't know what how you go back from that. Yeah. And as you said, Brad, so, um, the governor's getting involved in this, and I do trust his political machine. He's showed, he has showed a very formidable political machine to re- both raise money. He's raising ungodly numbers uh, of tens of millions of dollars for his reelect. Uh, and, then, and then what was should have been a down year for Republicans, uh, you know, he, he won. He beat Beto with, with 10 or 12, by 10 or 12 points. Um, and so he does have a formidable political machine. He's getting involved. He's showing up. He's having events. He's making endorsements, mm-hmm. uh, which is different, certainly, than the last few sessions where, that, where they've tried well, push he, for school choice. L- last <clears throat> cycle, he got involved in races. Uh, take HG60. He endorsed Glenn Rogers, who uh, won the race, and it was one of the guys who spoke against school choice. Yep. So he, he supported someone who, who was against his main priority. Uh, now he's on the other side. Yep. Now he's endorsing the guy he endorsed against last year. And it's that race especially is going to be fun to watch. Kind of a barometer. Because it's the... a microcosm for yep. everything else. In a very narrow margin. And let me yes and that observation that is that, keep in mind, Abbott getting involved in that race last year was to counter the, I, I would say, more conservative money that was already put against uh, representative. So in other words, that was to, to, to support the incumbent. And now he's stepping back, joining the other side. So now you have the, you know, the the, the larger right wing money plus the ad money. And it's it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. So my biggest disappointment is to have a little fun with it really is, is the Democrats. And I've talked about this um, a couple of times on the shows. I You know, at the beginning of the session, I knew there were going to be some really controversial issues. There's going to be the gender mod issue. There's going to be the porn in libraries and stuff. And I was I was sort of had a morbid curiosity to see if we would actually have some Democrats stand up and defend gender modification of minors. I mean, with all the research that's out there and all the stories that we've heard and, and people who have regretted, you know, making those decisions and says that, you know, saying that they were pushed into these things. I mean, is there really going to be Democrats to stand up and say, yes, we want to defend this practice or, you know, all of the the, the vulgar materials that we were finding in, in elementary and middle school libraries? Was there really going to be somebody, you know, Democrats who stand up and say, yes, I defend this? Turns out there were. Turns out there absolutely were. Um, and so I just, I guess disappointment may not be the right way to put it. I, I just am a little shocked and surprised maybe that, that you know, and of course they tried to turn it into an anti-LGBTQ thing, uh, which, which which didn't work um, uh, in order to moralize uh, against it. But I was I was a little surprised on some of these issues that there were people willing to stand up and vocal be vocal about, you know, child mutilation. I mean, it's just, I mean, I laugh about it, but it's really, I mean, it's really kind of kind of sick. That well, you're just trying to ban books, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah banning books and, and all of that. Um, or, or or, you know, uh, women or men playing in women's sports, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I, I just I, I, I really didn't think that there would be that not just that there would be opposition and no votes on some of this legislation, but that there was a really vocal opposition and people putting their name on the line. Well, on those kinds of issues, I think he's, we talked about Republicans being in conflict with one another on, on other stuff. But on these, we're seeing Democrats in conflict That's with one another. Point. Republicans are all kind of united on that. Um Maybe they have some quibbles on on the margins, but uh, you know the um, Sean Theory, Representative Sean Theory from right. Houston, gave a very passionate speech uh, for the gender modification ban bill. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, uh, I, I believe, a couple members vote for the the Reader Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theory might have been one. Mm-hmm. I believe she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's. On this culture stuff, I think that's where the the Democrats are are fighting their own on, which goes against you know what we're seeing everything everywhere else. Sure. Well, let me ask. That's actually a really good observation, and I think that we kind of like to you know overinterpret what we see at the state legislature through a lens of the national media. Do you think that specifically the basket of policies that we would deem culture war issues might be the basically the wedge in the coalition there? On the left, I think probably that in the border. Some people probably put the border in in the culture or issue st- stuff, but um, that's I think where we're seeing Democrats break from the ranks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing uh, Congressman Cuellar on the national level. You know, he's not out there um, browbeating his his um, uh, uh, de- fellow Democrats, but he's 
taking different stances. Vicente yeah. Gonzalez has as well. Yeah. Well, we've um, seen Democrats at the local level, mayors and city councilmen, right. say you know who are affected by these, who are in those communities and affected by the the yeah. border security situation, coming out saying hey, you, yeah. we need to help. And this right. isn't a partisan issue. We've got crime and trespassing yeah. and all kinds of yeah. things. Going Eddie on. Morales is is big on the border stuff, and he's not a a straight down the line Democrat right. on mm-hmm. that issue, at least as, as far mm-hmm. as we think of the National Democratic Party. So, yeah. You're going to believe AOC or your lion eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got we've got a, about 15 minutes left. I want to get to some of these other ones, so maybe we'll have kind of a, a lightning round. Um, I'm interested to get if what you thought the biggest surprise was this year, and we'll kick off with Derek. What do you think? Uh, well, I was going to say we already discussed the impeachment, but the other uh, the other uh, full body trial that we had there was the the removal of Representative Slayton for for his conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't need we don't need to delve into the, the the details of it, but there's a report for that. Yeah. I was, I was, that's very detailed. Yeah, very, very detailed. Um, but I think that that would be the the largest surprise. Again, not that it, it is to no one's surprise that man has fallen and sinful, uh, but it is a surprise that such a such a high profile incident such as that happened uh, during a legislative session. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and again, if I might just like put up my little soapbox here, I think that this is more a symptom of the political moment we're in, uh, where the food fight. And, you know, the buddy fights or whatever the justification is, takes center stage to plaster over some very, very troubling moralistic cracks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I'm not, not saying I'm perfect or anybody here is perfect, but it's one of these things where we should where we used to prize virtue before is where I would really like to go back to, not just because um you know, we live in a uh, we live in a moment now where where, where combativeness is prized over. Um, well, geez, prized Congeniality. over effect- Well, yeah, well, that. But I was going to say prized <laughs> over effectiveness, even. Yeah, right. You know, where somebody's ability to get in the mud and knife fight uh, basically uh, uh, trumps their ability or trumps their ability to win in the eyes of uh, much of the electorate. Or to even sides. make progress, right? Like yes. if it's not you know the litmus test and all that. And as a card carrying member yes. of the original Tea Party back yeah. in 2010, you know I definitely had had my share, fair yeah. share of litmus tests. So, but step down from soapbox. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, for my I, for my surprise was the impeachment. And so when I ask y'all, uh, Brad in particular, uh, for, for me the surprise was I just didn't see it coming. Maybe I just don't know enough about the relationships and all that. And I know there's definitely people there who don't like each other and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff before to manifest itself in this way like you said making history uh was that a surprise i mean did reporters kind of know that no, this was going on nobody or this, knew what this was coming. Kind of was a surprise um so there were two matters before the general investigating committee throughout most of the session i think probably only two one was slayton that was matter b so everyone was wondering what the heck matter a was well before the slayton stuff broke the jolanda jones stuff broke and we all had assumed that that was mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Slayton moved. Remember the Jolanda Jones that, that were so innocent back then? Right, <laughs> right. So that was the staff letter that, yeah. that yeah. said about yeah, how awful she was. Yeah, with some allegations about how she mistreats her staff and whatnot. Yeah, right. <clears throat> um, she always run for Mary Houston. Right. <laughs> so that, that went nowhere. And um, then we all realize in this chaotic two-day window, I think, in the, in the waning days of session, oh my gosh, they are going to in- impeach the attorney general. And it started with the general investigating committee uh, convening rather quickly uh, out of nowhere and announcing subpoenas, including to the attorney general's office. And then everyone started I thinking, kind of okay, it out. this is something with Paxton. And sure enough, that's what it was. Well, as a as a as an insider, I was I was caught completely flat footed, yeah. and so you were the only one. That's yeah. I was just curious if it was the same. So it was would on that Saturday be, too, if I recall. The impe- the yeah. the vote for impeachment was yeah. yeah. Would that be your biggest surprise, or did you have a different one? Um, I, mine was Slayton. Um, so I think I'll adjust mine and say that uh, the lieutenant governor calling for the speaker to resign was the biggest surprise. He didn't, he didn't actually go that far, did he? Mm-hmm. Called did him to he? resign, yeah. Called he has not resign? endorsed his opponent. Okay. Uh, he stopped short of that. I wasn't sure um, if he had, you know... I, I, sometimes he catches the language carefully right. to not go that far, so sometimes... He, he did, I, I believe he did get, <clears throat> mm-hmm. get to that point. And but that was in the third special at that point, or th- maybe was the that fourth? after this, yeah. the allegations yeah. of him drinking or something? Like, maybe that well, was... Well, that, that, the resign thing happened way after that. Right. Um, but... These two do not like each other. They haven't liked each other since, from from my vantage point, the electricity repricing fight mm. in uh, 2021. Yeah. That's where it all started publicly. 
Um, then it continued with constitutional carry and just escalated. Property mm-hmm. taxes was a big one. Yeah. But, um, you know, the lieutenant governor has feuded with speakers before, Joe Strauss, uh, despite what he said the other day about, you know, he always respected Joe Strauss and he thought he was an honest guy. Well, <laughs> quotes from then say <laughs> yeah. otherwise. That's good. That's um, good. Was that the commercial where you throw the flag? Right. Throw, throw right. The, red, the, red, Show the, replay. the red challenge flag and you um, run yeah. the replay back? Well, there's there's the famous uh, uh, Alamo over the wall comments mm. that he made. So there's that. But I didn't think he'd go that far and call for the speaker to resign. That was shocking. All right. Well, let's get to some more positive, fun stuff. Um, so for the these are these are the righty awards that we're mm-hmm. giving out here. Um, so I've asked you all to come up with, if you can, come up with your legislator of the year and your Texan of the year. Um, they don't have to be the same person. They can be whoever you want. So um, since I started with Derek last time, I'll start with you this time, Brad. Your legislator of the year. Uh, I couldn't decide between two. Paul Betancourt mm-hmm. with the property tax thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he won, he won it. Um, now the Senate did concede on an appraisal cap, even though they don't want to call it an appraisal cap. It is. <laughs> uh, now it's a trial run, so maybe it doesn't last. But um, that was a, a red line they drew in the sand early on. But the House did get something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I'd say is Tracy King. The way he handled the raise the age debate. Mm-hmm. Um he was not browbeating his his um, oh under the radar members. There. One, yeah, um, he the, when he laid out that resolution honoring the victims of the Uvalde shooting, it was very surreal. He struggled to get through it, um, but I think yeah, I, I'd say Tracy King and Paul Bettencourt on that. Okay, and uh, if you guess and the Tracy King, I mean, he, then he's going to be leaving us too. Um, yep. sadly, because I remember I was, I testified, I think it was, I think I was called at 1245 AM, uh, for the, the select committee during the, the summer. And, you know, everybody was just so tired and, you know, still, I mean, they're still, still engaging in the food fight on, on that uh, yeah. committee. Um, but his, you know, he didn't have any any questions for me. But I just want to make sure that I got that into the record that like he has been, uh, it, it was exemplar leadership. Mm-hmm. And again, Tracy King, Democrat, disagree on a number of yeah. policy issues. But you know, we, men have to rise to the moment they're faced with, and he most certainly did. And, and he pushed the bill without yeah. um, getting into a lot of the yeah. rhetoric that his colleagues did, yeah. um, knowing that he didn't have the votes on the floor. They just didn't exist. So, the, the, but officially, the, I, I would say so. I, I had three because it was really hard. But I'm not going <laughs> to. That's I'm not, fine. We still uh, we still have ten minutes left. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'd have to say overall. I, I again, and this is like one 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 A and one B. I'd have to give one to probably Brendan Creighton, mm-hmm. uh, friend of the pod. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but every, everyone goes, oh, because of school choice, his ability to get that through the Senate, and that was very laudable. And it was not. And everyone thinks like, oh, well, if it's something that. You know, the majority caucus, a majority of the Republican caucus wants in the Senate, then it's a fait complete. It's never that easy. Mm-hmm. And not only that, not only did he get that, how quickly we forgot about uh, SB 17 and SB 18 on the getting rid of DEI on campus mm-hmm. and getting um, uh, getting rid of, I should say get, not getting rid of tenure, but having a ten, instituting tenure review. I think that the state within our public discourse of higher of of the institutional elites in higher education after october 7th specifically has been nothing but absolutely disgusting and i think that no longer will these you know basically protected sinecures exist within our uh higher our institutions of higher education and instead you know it's like you actually have to justify being here and this can't just be again your little sinecure where you just you know spread your intellectual filth while sticking your hands in our pocket. Yeah, we've talked about yeah. how Texas is really leading the way on yeah. fighting the woke and all of that, and he's been, he's been a real warrior the, on that. The other two I would say, and for, for obvious reasons, is uh, Chairman Buckley, again, didn't necessarily uh, redound to uh, a victory in that school choice debate, but just his steadfastly, his staff did a really good job as well. Uh, and then Tom Oliverson. Not, I mean, his uh, defense of SB 14 over in the House, absolutely unflappable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you can... 
he danced around the ring for hours and they couldn't get a glove on him. Yep, absolutely. And so I'll segue with that because that's who I had for my my top um, was was Tom Oliverson and, and and especially because of that masterclass that he gave in defending uh, the bill on the floor. Um, I've I've sent that to people to watch because I call um, every name in the book. Yeah, I mean you know the development of the messaging, the development of the narrative, all of that being and, and using that that particular you know a lot of people uh, that that issue on the gender modification specifically you know was I, I don't we took called it kind of a fringe issue for a couple of sessions. I mean, it's definitely been been building up. But the, the folks who were the loudest on that issue um, really had some, you know, some sort of uh, fear-mongering, histrionic arguments that really didn't resonate, I think, with a lot of people. And so when we tested that issue at the beginning of the session, it actually upside down. And so more people saw it as an issue of, well, the doctor is recommending this, so shouldn't we care more about what the doctor thinks than what these politicians think? And we're actually, there was there was more people in support of, of, of allowing gender modification of minors than than were but but once we did the messaging and and Oliverson is out there arguing and, and really putting out the the right message on that and then defending that um, both in the media on our podcast and and uh, and then eventually on the on the floor I mean it really turned and it was literally I had never seen I think it was a, almost a 20 point turn yeah. uh, in terms of the number of people in Texas who now fully understood the issue and what the implications were and what the research really said about that issue uh, so I give him a lot of kudos for leading that fight there were a lot of lot of folks uh, that were in on that, you know, from a coalition standpoint, and other legislators, certainly uh, Donna Campbell in the Senate. Um, uh, but but I thought what he did in terms of leading that issue was, was huge. Another thing on the Alverson, I don't I don't even remember because the the line of attack was that was obviously they, they, we, you knew the you knew the the impugning motives was coming, but the line of attack I did not see coming that was I would say hilarious um, was the whole. Isn't it not true that you are a anesthetologist? <laughs> which, which, last I checked, is still a doctor. Not not like a me doctor, a real doctor. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, last I checked, is still Ooh. a doctor. And the person lobbying, uh, making this allegation is a lawyer. And I, I don't know what part of law school they start talking about endocrinology, but I know they go through it in, uh, even when you specialize in anesthetologist. Yeah, right. And so that impugning, you know, basically someone's professional you know, opinion. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And and, and kudos for him for resisting, you know, the, the opportunity to be really snarky, yeah. you know, like, are you serious, bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you coming at me with that right now? I, th- I thought the most impressive, <laughs> there was one point where someone reads off a study, just a random study, you know, there are hundreds that they're citing in this, uh, in this debate. And he says, oh, yeah, I read that study. And here's why it is so flawed. <laughs> they only, the sample size only used. Right, blah, blah, blah. right. It was um, I will, uh, Some grad students going, oh, my God, I just got ripped on the floor of the Texas <laughs> I, I had some honorable mentions as well. I, you know, I've got to throw in uh, the lieutenant governor just, just purely by the way he runs the Senate. Mm-hmm. He had 30 priorities. They got through all of them fairly quickly and got all, you know, their legislation done, uh, which is a huge help to those who are trying to carry those kinds of bills in the House mm-hmm. uh, to get all that done. And get and get his support. So just by and also, I mean, I had some apparently really bad ideas on how to fix the house uh, that that um, that apparently are you know I, I mean I would just get rid of the whole the testimony it, process in the house is just ridiculous. In but apparently committee. in committees and I mean just people dressing up like Dracula and showing up and it's just like you know you don't have serving his, a lawsuit during. I mean, it. he comes from us. He comes from the swap man. You got to take it with a grain. So 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 anyway, um, I have apparently a lot of bad ideas about how to fix that process. Uh, so. Kudos to Dan Patrick. Of course, um, I had Paul Bettencourt and Brian Hughes on there oh, yeah. as just absolute workhorses when it comes to passing quality legislation. And of course, shout out to to, um, uh, to Brandon Creighton as well for for all the same issues that you had there. Okay, so that's Legislator of the Year. With the time we have left, we have Texan of the Year. And I forget who I started with. Did I start with you last time, or uh, I'll go. First. Okay. All right, all right, Brad, <laughs> give us your Texan of the Year. I'm going to go with Josh Young, third baseman for the Rangers. All right, so you do have um, a little sports Native San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, went to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, and that's right. I believe he finished like third, fourth in rookie of the year voting. Mm-hmm. Had a really good year and topped it off with the first World Series in Rangers history. That's a good one. I like it. All right, Derek. No, I didn't know we were able Texan to do of the sports year. One. Well, yeah, you can throw it in there. Yeah. No, no, I actually. Well, I do have. A, it, it's tangentially sports related, but not because of that. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the the casino issue. I'd have to say Texan of the year would be Mark Cuban, and not because of his, um, not because of his. Um, relation in that space or even with the Mavericks professionally. A lot of people don't know this, but Mark Cuban has actually set up a prescription drug company. And and he's basically essentially cutting out the middle. Now, we've talked 
ad nauseum. I know if David Balot were here, he'd burst in the door like the Kool-Aid man if I didn't <laughs> if I didn't take this opportunity to go ahead and you know heap a little scorn on on, on the PBMs. He's cutting them out entirely and basically give it, the name of the company is Cost Plus and basically getting the pharmaceuticals to those to whom it was prescribed at basically cost plus some you know a minor adjustment because again it's really this is the kind of uh, I would say policy entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship generally in this application that really embodies the Texas spirit. And I think that, you know, even what, what, no matter what somebody thinks of the Mavericks or Luca or any of that, uh, I think that you can say that uh, Mark Cuban's using his uh, wealth in this fashion uh, for the greater good. All right. So mine, and this is, might sound a little trite and you might roll your eyes or whatever, but I did, I mean, uh, somebody, uh, but my Texan of the year was Greg Abbott. Um, and it's because of his leadership on the school choice issue. I mean, we just have not seen a governor, um, uh, you know, maybe I don't go back far enough, or, or but but a governor put that kind of effort into the legislative uh, mm. and, and, and into really not even the legislative side. I mean, he did definitely flex, uh, you know, um, on, on the legislative side with the special sessions and, you know, vetoing people's bills and those kinds of stuff. So he did flex a little bit there, but really going out and making the case to the public and really raising this as the number one mm. issue for Texas. Texas, creating that sense of urgency. Uh, you know, when we were first starting to look at this issue and how much the campaigns would cost in terms of like doing that exactly and going out and raising the awareness about this issue. I mean, these are million dollar projects, you know, multi-million dollar projects to try and do that. But when the most popular politician in the state decides that this is going to be the number one issue, it's, you know, you now can have a different strategy because he's going to raise that level just by simply showing up. I mean, I think he did more than two dozen different events at schools around Texas, highlighting school choice, um, you know, tons of media interviews, um, and really just can't uh, thank him enough, because this obviously is the number one issue for Texas Public Policy yeah. Foundation for the last 35 years, mm -hmm. and so for him to put that kind of effort and that kind of commitment uh, and dedication into raising awareness and going straight to the people about that, I uh, just couldn't really thank him enough. No uh, I roll at process. all. No I roll at all. No I roll at all. I did want to thank, you know, there's other legislators, and we have like two minutes left, um, the other legislators want to shout out, obviously Caroline Harris got her first oh, bill yeah. across, we mentioned Brian Hughes. Yeah, hell of a freshman. Got, got her uh, as, a, as a freshman. And um, uh, Ellen Troxclair, of course, mm -hmm. is, a, is a friend of the show as well. And she had a she had a great session as well. Anybody else you want to mention? So so uh, you don't get a call and you're uh, like, hey, how come we didn't? Yeah, Jason's going to jump uh, Carrie Isaac, jump down your throat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, sure. uh, the budget rider. Yeah, Remember that's that? right. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, that would probably qualify in a top five for biggest surprise, too, yeah. that a freshman was able to successfully attach a... I mean, well, obviously stuff that we support, but a very controversial rider onto the budget, mm -hmm. their first session on the Appropriations Committee. So congratulations uh, to all of them. Anybody else that you want to mention? Uh, mention at the top, Burroughs on, yeah, on the, the Death Star bill. Um, I think that was pretty unmatched. So, all right. Well, we could do easily do two or three more hours talking about <laughs> the year in Texas. I'm sure there's a ton of issues that we that we probably didn't uh, get to, but we only have 45 minutes, and so that's our show for the day. Brad Johnson from the Texan News. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your in insight and being able to maybe talk about some of the things that we can't talk about uh, and, and get into them. So, thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. Merry Christmas. Um, and thank you to all of you. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy New Year to all the folks. Again, this is going to be our last show for the year, so we will see you in 2024. We really appreciate all the listeners and uh, all the watchers uh, uh, of our podcast throughout the year, which has been a big success for us. Um, it's been a lot of fun uh, being here with Derek and talking about what we talk about every day. So we thank you for, for joining this ride with us and, and, and listening along. Um, as always, in the great words of Sam Houston, do good and risk the consequences. We'll see you next time. <laughs>